Good morning, everyone. Stuart's tired this morning. How, how, are, are, how are our... I can't even say that. It just sounds like to anyone else in the world, I'm going, ar, ar, ar. how are our energy levels? Are we doing all right? Are we surviving nicely throughout Christmas so far? So happy Christmas Eve. Can you believe that we're here again? It is an absolutely crazy season. Would anybody like to agree with me? Ever so slightly nuts. Driving, shopping, rapping, children are hyper. I was actually in Tesco's last night at half ten, and it was quite, actually quite nice. Wasn't, wasn't too bad. I know Lisa's looking at me like, crazy fool. Uh, it was good, and I stood like every other man, looking at all the crackers, having been instructed to buy some crackers, and thought, I do not know which crackers I should buy. So like every other gentleman went rang and said, uh, which crackers would you like to? The response was none. And uh, I think it was probably meant to be cream crackers that she was looking for rather than the ones for the table. So what I want to say is that all of this, if you're anything like me, this can be completely overwhelming. Uh, And the to-do list just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as you're about to do one thing, 43 other things pop into your head. Well, it's Christmas Eve. um, And for now we stop. Now we want to be still. John 17, 15 to 16, Jesus said, I'm not asking that he was talking to his father. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So we are in the world, and we can't run away from that. We might want to. If we could just take me out of the world, I would be the best Christian in the world. Well, evidently, if you're thinking about being the best Christian, you haven't got the whole principle that the cross sorts it all anyway. But uh, Jesus came into the world, changed it forever. We should never despise being here because we are here. We can say that it's all got hyper-commercialized, which it has. It's all become about the wrong thing, which largely it has. But we get to remember what it's really about. So we should never despise being here in the world, and let's enjoy it. But we've just got to stop the world from getting into us. So this Christmas, let's stop and be still and remember what it's all about. So we have two more messages um, about the, the light of his love. Is it, will it pop up on the screen there in a wee second, potentially? There we go. The today is about the love that came, and I want to recap a little bit about where we've been. Hopefully by this point I'm reading this and you're also frustrated because you've heard it so much. That's intentional, because we want it to flow out of you and for your first port of call in your mind to go, this is what I know. So the light of the love shines. No, light of love shines. And then it shines. How does it shine in us? Do you remember, was it a big pie? Anyone, anyone, anyone? It shines in us by us saying, all right then. So we recognize that he's on us, this light is shining on us, and then he starts to go, hi Colin, can we maybe look at this? Sometimes we go, sorry, no room in the end. And other times we go, all right, come on in. So as we let it, know that his light shines on us and then let his light shine in us, then what happens? Shines out through us. That's exactly right. You are deeply, specifically, and intimately known and loved by God. Are you starting to get that? This is a crowd participation this morning. It's Christmas Eve, come on. Um, Jesus Christ died for you to set you completely free and you're forgiven for all of it. Absolutely anything. And if there's anything and you're sitting here thinking, well, he couldn't possibly forgive that, then you're stating that the cross of Christ was not enough. And that is not true. We've looked in depth at forgiveness for ourselves and looked in depth about forgiving others and the effects of unforgiveness on us and those around us. Andrew spoke about the light of the cross, that he's not on the cross anymore, and it's a place of joy. And Mark spoke about being that Jesus' sacrifice meant that we could be at one and crawl up on our Father's knee, and it's all going to be all right. And we are not sinners. What are we? Do we get it wrong sometimes? 
Yeah, we do. So we are saints who sin. We are not sinners. And we are new creations. Right. So all because a baby was born in a shed in a town most people didn't want to think about, thousands of miles away, we're talking about the light of love. So everything that we have said up to this point this morning, I'm going to talk about the reason why we're able to talk about it. And hopefully there's going to be some gold in all of this for us. So love came down at Christmas and love never left. Now you can say, well, he died and he went back up to heaven. (laughs) Seamless. That was meant to happen, of course. Um, He did. He did die and he was raised again. Thank you, Nathan. And he did go back up to heaven. But the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So love came down at Christmas and love never left. Now, I'm going to read a whole heap of passages here from uh, the Christmas story. So bear with me. What I would encourage you to do is, I certainly find it beneficial, close your eyes. Imagine yourself immersed in the scene. And maybe, maybe you'll see something that you haven't seen before. So we're going to start at John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawned, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Then look to In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with angel, angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. And finally, Matthew 2, 1-12. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and so was Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem in Judea, for it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you find him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Follow the theme. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they'd opened up their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And my last snippet of a verse, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. How familiar is that? Could you all nearly rhyme it off in your heads as I was reading it? Well, what I want to say is hopefully this morning, if you'll let the Spirit and let me, maybe we can uncover a little bit of what's been hidden through familiarity. So Jesus came quietly and in hiddenness through a teenage virgin. His cot was an animal trough. His mother's fiancé was tempted to break off his engagement to his mother because of the shame of her pregnancy. And yet... The poverty of the situation Jesus was born in was the sign of his majesty. Luke 2.12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, all of this, when we line this up with what we think, now, when we discover maybe what we, we believe God's called us to do, do we not think that it should all roll out like a river? Has anybody else had that experience? Our thoughts go, if it is God, it's going to be perfectly easy. Am I right? Yeah. So if he calls me, I'm going to move up to Newton Abbey. It's going to be really simple. And the house that we're going to move into is absolutely perfect. No pun intended. It's going to be easy. There's going to be no difficulty here. Relationships are going to be a joy. There's going to be enough money everywhere. And it's just going to be fantastic because the Almighty has ordained it. Are you with me? Are you ready to have your expectations completely destroyed and shattered? Much like a peanut under a sledgehammer. God doesn't do things the way we do things at all. And for some reason, we've totally, I think, largely missed this about Christmas. Look what happened with his son. We are part of this kingdom where the first is last and the last is first. We're part of a kingdom where if we want to hold on to anything, we've got to let it go. And Christmas reminds us of above all things that everything is not as it seems. 1 Corinthians 1.27, God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Isaiah 55.8-9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God moves in ways that can be missed, but they cannot be mistaken. When it is him, it will be so obviously him. When you tell it to other people, they'll go, my goodness. But it can also be easily missed. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear the light of love, let it illuminate how God likes to do things. And it's never seen clearer when we look at how his son was born into the world. I want to give you a list of uh, some of the prophecies that were fulfilled in the details of his birth. Okay, I'm going to fill you in why I'm doing this after. So the place of his birth, you can find in Micah 5.2. The virgin birth, Isaiah 7.14. His divine name, Isaiah 7.14. Presentation of the gifts uh, to him, Psalm 72.10-11. The massacre of the children after his birth, Jeremiah 31.15. His escape into Egypt, Hosea 11.1. His residence in Nazareth, Matthew 2.23. His childhood poverty. Would you want that prophetic word? Isaiah 53, 2. His spirit-filled nature from birth, Isaiah 1, 1 to 2. And then Luke's genealogy right back to Adam. Luke 3, 23 to 38. Why did I share this with you? All of you seem like, you're just crushed now. What have you done to us, Colin? We're going back up the mountain again, okay? Because God gets the job done. He gets the job done. All we have to do is say yes. Are we going to get it wrong? Do we get it wrong? Does that mean it's all over? You want to read through the genealogy of Jesus. It is not all over. God gets the job done. Christmas is full of hope because God works out his perfect plan in the middle of what seems like a total and utter mess. It does not all depend on us. Is that not good news? But we have got to learn to depend on him. Because if you're going to say yes to him, and I would encourage you to say yes to him, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. It's going to stretch in ways you never thought imagined. It's going to require more of you than you actually want to give. But ultimately, it's going to be life, and it's going to be life in all its fullness. In the Christmas story, everybody is seeking something. Jesus came, Luke 19.10. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Everything that was lost by taking fruit from a tree was taken back by his death on a tree. God tends to clean up stuff in the way that was messed up. Does that make sense? If you find anything about God, if you make mistakes, one of the reasons why we've got to own whenever we've hurt somebody else and go to them is because it cleans it up. We can't normally move on until we go back to where we were hurt or where somebody else hurt us. Has that been your experience? So what was lost by the fruit of a tree was gained by his death on a tree. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ also be made alive, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Everyone in the Christmas story is seeking something. And I want to ask you, what are you looking for this Christmas? I want a big high five. I would like a Peugeot. Let's get off the material stuff. What is it that you're looking for this Christmas? I don't know why I chose Peugeot. I thought that was quite a random one. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Proverbs 25 verse 2. So it's the nature of royalty to seek and to search and to find. And we are royalty, are we not? Because our father is the king. So what is it that you're looking for? Who is it that you're looking for? Because there's one that's waiting to be found. 
If you hear nothing else um, from me this Christmas, I want you to hear this. God wants to be found by you this Christmas. Now, it's going to take a little bit of intentionality of creating a window. It might be when you're doing the dishes. It might be after everybody else is away. It might be five minutes before the rest of the house wakes up. It might be a protracted and prolonged period of time. But if you can hear the Holy Spirit this morning, that's what he wants from you. He wants you to look for him. Play where's Wally. Where is he? What's he doing? What's he got for me this Christmas? The wise men, well, they were looking to the heavens, watching beyond their current circumstances. They recognized his star and they made their journey. The presence of the king of kings caused them to open up their treasures and bring their gifts. We could be like the wise men. We need to learn to recognize what God's doing in its infancy, even whenever it's within us. If we can learn to see the duties of the king and the role of the shepherd boy, then we'll not despise the role of the shepherd boy. We need to see what he's up to, even whenever it's just a little baby. Jesus was Jesus. He was the savior of the world from the moment that he was born, even before that. So don't despise the day of small beginnings. If it's just little things that he started in your life, do not despise it, but cherish it. Cherish it. Vincent van Gogh, you know the famous painter? Cut off his ear, give it, know that whole story. Sunflowers, bedroom, yes, we're there. He was asked, uh, whenever you get older, do you think your paintings will be better? And he said, no, 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 it'll be the same apple, only riper. So what he's doing in your life right now, just don't despise it. Embrace it for all it is, because if you can see it for what it is right now, you'll be able to handle it when it gets to the stage of maturity. What were the shepherds doing? Well, they had the lowliest or one of the lowliest jobs of the day, and yet God held an an angelic choral concert in front of them. When the angel showed up to announce his birth and a choir of angels started singing, they sought the king. The shepherds went to meet the shepherd. What would you do in the middle of your work if all of a sudden an angel came up and said, just want to let you know that this is happening over there and then behind him, they all start, you know, there's 3,000 of them and they start saying, they probably can dance better than I can. Don't miss what I'm saying because of my dancing. I'm sorry, it is what it is. But what would you do? Because it's so familiar, what would you do? It's over there. It's in Bangor. He's over in Bangor. Would you get straight in your car and would you go? It's happening in Paris. Would you sell everything you had to get on a plane to get over there? What would you do? Would you go, can't leave my post? Could I look after these sheep? Or would you be like them and race straight to where the baby was born? The other thing I want to say about the shepherds is your circumstances do not detect your, detect, dictate your worth or your identity. Whose you are defines everything. That's why when heaven interrupts your life, it's not about the fact that you're a shepherd. It's about the fact that you're God's and you're called to go. What were Mary and Joseph looking for? Well, they were seeking somewhere for Jesus to be born and they were doing their very best to love what God had entrusted to them. You know, it's so easy to uh, revere the characters in these stories. But in doing that, we miss what was happening. At those moments in time, they weren't revered at all, apart from by God. Mary and Joseph were in the middle of a, I mean, it was just a shameful situation. She'd done nothing wrong, said yes to God, 
conceived a child that was of the Spirit, uh, which caused shame to rise up and be poured all over her, caused her husband-to-be to be tempted to say, look, we can't do this because of the shame of it, only if it wasn't for the angel that showed up in the dream and said, this is me and you need to uh, not break your engagement to her. They were in a mess. They were on a journey I'm sure that they didn't want to make. Did you notice it said this was the first census in this reign? Bet you they were going, oh, come on. You ever had that one? You're trying your hardest to go after God. You're going and you're going and you're going. Your washing machine explodes. Your children fall sick. Your job's in jeopardy. Your bank account's a total mess. And you can't find anything to wear. It all goes pitong. Well, maybe at that point, maybe that's also a hallmark that that could be Jesus in your life. Because when we're weak, then he is strong. He really is. We all want it to be perfect, don't we? We all want it to be easy. We all want there not to be difficulty. And yet, when God comes into our lives, it seems like, I didn't know that about me. I didn't know that about you. I didn't realize he was going to ask me to give that up. And yet, whenever we start walking, we look at him and we start to weep because we realize that the one that called us into all that difficulty actually was always going to rescue us out of it anyway. And if we stayed in the difficulty, we might get to know him in a way that we never could if everything was easy. So don't miss what the Spirit is saying through Christmas. You'd think because it was God that there would have been a room, beautiful space, some cut flowers, maybe a wee boombox in the corner that they could hook up their Bluetooth phone to and play some nice soothing tunes, or a little birthing pool, a midwife on hand, some lovely towels. It was this stable with stinking animals, and he was laid in a feeding trough. So we need to die to our expectation to, if it's God, it's got to look like this. Often what initially frustrates us is what ultimately fulfills us. You know, all of the difficulties and the strain and the, the toughness of this journey, I've got to tell you, I wouldn't trade it for a thing because I'm starting to realize that that's what's making me become the person that I need to be. So now, rather than looking at the difficulty, we can look at the gold that's going to come out of the difficulty. Do you remember I said a few weeks ago, um, Anna, my daughter, gave Claire a picture of a pearl and an oyster? Do you remember that story? And Claire said to me, I think there might be something about this. And I said, do you know about oysters and what creates the pearl? And she went, no, no. And then I said, well, it's uh, irritation. She went, oh. And as I looked into it, it's actually a parasite. It's the presence of a parasite that creates that thing of absolute beauty. And when we don't give up, when we don't say no to the difficulty that comes our way because we're going after him, maybe something stunningly beautiful will be created. And maybe other people look at that and go, my goodness, that's stunning. Where did you find that? And you'll go, I'll tell you sometime. So what initially frustrates us and what, what God is doing is ultimately what fulfills us. Do you not think that Mary being the mother of God was fulfilling to her? Or Joseph, he got to parent God's son. Look at the legacy that's left behind because of what they said yes to. Look what I'm able to pull out the principle of because they went on the journey. Because she said yes and he didn't say no. And they didn't give up. And for that innkeeper, that in, all that innkeeper did was said, have a shed out the back, would that be any use? And his name has been forever recorded throughout time. All because they participated in the story. Mary and Joseph remind us all that we have to give our yes to what God's asking us to do. 
And when we do, we hold on. So if you're finding this Christmas is difficult, or it's painful, or it's a stretch, hold on. The Holy Spirit is encouraging you to seek him and to find him this year. The last person I want to talk about is Herod and my beautiful wife at the back. We were sitting on the sofa. We didn't often do this, but I said, I'm speaking on Sunday. I'm going to say about everybody seeking something in the, in the Christmas journey. And she went, what's that now? And I said, well, they're seeking this and they're seeking this and they're seeking this. Claire said, well, Herod was seeking something as well, wasn't he? She said, my goodness, love, that's a mighty fine point. I must make that point. Herod was seeking to protect his position. The presence of a child will do an awful lot more than we thought it would. And the presence of Jesus, look what it did to the king of that land. The presence of this child raised up fear in the tyrant and he started to manipulate, to deceive and to kill. He ordered the slaughter of male infants and that is how the enemy works. John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and life in all its fullness. Matthew 2.16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he'd learned from the Magi. Could I get you guys up at the front? Herod defended his kingdom rather than yielding himself to the presence of the king of kings. So the presence of Jesus is not always welcome. And if we're being honest, sometimes the presence of Jesus in our lives isn't that welcome either. Because he interrupts or hits pause or says you need to skip on to that or says you need to do this. It's wonderful when he comes and says, this is what I have for you. And this is what's uh, come from uh, your union to me. But when he comes and it causes things to be shaken or positions that we have or things we're in control of and that actually controlled us, it's not always welcome. So we have got to choose to yield ourselves to the reign of the king and kings of our lives or else we're going to start to manipulate. We're going to start to fiddle this and twist that and say that thing and move that there just so that we can hold the ground that we have. Now, the good news is that Herod's plot did not win. Jesus still came, and in the end, if you look at what happened to Herod, it wasn't pleasant at all. So I want to encourage you this Christmas, if there's anywhere in your life where the presence of Jesus is asking you to let go of something that you find it hard to let go of, let it go. Because if you don't, it's going to cause pain for you and it's going to cause pain for those around you. How are we doing? This story is so much more than we've seen it to be. And there is joy here. Don't fall down to the, oh, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be awful. It might well be, but you're not going to be on your own. The joy of the Lord is the strength of his people. So will you stand with me this morning? As always, I want to give you some questions to help you to respond. And if you can say yes to any of the following, please come and join me at the front. Do you need help? And I would respond to this one. Do you need help to be present in the world but not let the world be present in you this Christmas? Do you need to let go and let God get the job done in your life? Has it clicked with you this morning that it doesn't all rely on you? That those times that you thought I've stuffed it up, that's it, it's not going to work God's purposes for my life are somehow ruined and destroyed and you've realized that's not true. God will get the job done. We've got to learn to depend on Him. So if you need to let go and let God do it, come and join me. 
finally, if you want to seek God this Christmas, please come and join me now at the front. Spirit well you know it's Christmas you were there for the first one we would love it if you would join us this morning thank you for uh, where you've been in our service this morning but we ask you for more who needs Santa when we have you so we ask that you would come this Christmas and this morning and that we would understand that we would know that you are the one who is in control and in charge.